Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this special edition of the Theology Mom Podcast. I wanted to do a special episode in honor of the upcoming Women in Apologetics Conference that starts today in Southern California. And I wanted to offer some reflections about the state of women's apologetics and a little bit about my own personal journey and contribution to the endeavor of raising up female apologists. So uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, so you'll get a notification every time there is a new episode that drops. Also, make sure that you're subscribed to my channel at Theology Mom on YouTube. With that, uh, let's get into it. In November of 2017, I met Rachel Shockey, who is the current president of Women in Apologetics. And at that time, Women in Apologetics was a fairly new ministry. It had only existed for a few months at that point. And when I met Rachel, I had been seeing some of their activity on Twitter, but I didn't really know who they were. Rachel and I struck up uh, what would become a strategic and important friendship for me. She invited me to attend the inaugural Women in Apologetics Conference at Biola University in January of 2018, so just a couple of months after we initially met. And as I sat in the back of the conference and just was kind of acting as an observer, listening to the talks prompted me to reflect more deeply about my own journey as a theologian and female apologist. And some of the unique contributions that I think women can make to the larger enterprise of apologetics. Now, when I began seminary in the early 1990s, I believe I was the only woman in my program, in the MA in theology program at Talbot. Now, I could be wrong about that, but as I remember it, I, I was the only woman. I I do know that I was the only woman in several of my classes. I spent a fair amount of time wondering what in the world I was even doing in this male-dominated world of theology. I, I can probably say pretty safely nearly every day in, in those years, I had the thought in my mind, what possible career will this lead to? Would it lead to anything? It, it just, I didn't really even know what I was doing. For me at the time, being in seminary, was almost like a glorified hobby. I really didn't know what I was doing there, and I had no specific goal other than learning. 
thankfully, I had some wonderful professors who kept encouraging me. They were all men, um, men like Walt Russell and Dr. Clint Arnold and Dr. Don Sanukian and and many others. Uh, poor Dr. Sanukian, he had to sit through some very horrible <laughs> sermons that I did in our homiletics class. But um, even so, he was still very encouraging to me. And I think that my core struggle in that season was honestly, I didn't know if being a lady theologian was even a thing or if it could ever be a thing. There was really no one that I could point to who was somebody that I could aspire to be like or to give me a picture of what it would be like to be a conservative female theologian. You know, back then, 30 years ago, if you were a woman in seminary, it was basically assumed that you were very theologically liberal. You definitely didn't believe in inerrancy and you were quite possibly a lesbian. And so when I would tell people that I was a seminary student, you can imagine the assumptions that they would make about me. And so I usually had to say very quickly, no, 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 I I actually believe in the Bible, like all of it. Yeah. So without those positive role models, I, I really didn't know where I was going or where I was heading. I've now worked professionally in the realm of theology and apologetics for almost 30 years. And looking back on my career, it, it, I've, I've had a very interesting career and, and I, I'm very grateful for it. And I'm, I'm grateful that my former employer, Reasons to Believe, allowed me to be a, a, a mom first and be home with my kids a lot of the time when they were young. And uh, as I grew and as my kids grew, they were willing to allow my job to grow as well. And uh, I learned a lot from that. And so even though I was out of academia as my kids were growing up, I was still able to kind of be on the periphery of apologetics. Now, I will say that for most of those 30 years, theology and apologetics has remained largely a dominated field, but that is changing. And it is so encouraging to see so many women, many of them are younger than me, most of them are younger than me, from a variety of backgrounds coming together to talk about how apologetics connects to their lives as women and wives and mothers. And it's so gratifying that for some of them, I've played a small role in their journey through my teaching and writing and running and building the online school that I did uh, through Reasons to Believe. You know, it's, it's just so encouraging to see how through education, particularly through online education, has opened up the field of learning to women in ways that were closed to them prior to the the advent of 
you know, online course delivery. Later in 2018, after the that initial Women in Apologetics conference, uh, I was invited to join the board for Women in Apologetics, and I spoke a few, at a few of their events. And something that I noticed is that a few, a handful of their presenters over the years have PhDs or hold academic positions at universities, but most do not. The highest degree that many of them have is an MA in apologetics or something similar to that. And that means that most of them probably wouldn't be considered qualified to hold positions in academia. However, I think that these women still make a valuable contribution to the field of apologetics. And there are, I want to make two observations about this that I see that are happening as, as a result of more women becoming apologists. And, and this is an emerging movement. This is a fairly recent movement. I think that the women in apologetics has, has been part of that growth. And the, the first kind of effect that I've noticed is widening the audience of people who are interested in apologetics conversations. In my opinion, the, the most important thing that these women are doing is bringing apologetics to other women. I've seen personally how there were not many women interested in apologetics 30 years ago. Every once in a while you'd find one, but it was pretty rare. But the contribution of people like Natasha Crane, for example, in fact, Natasha was really one of the, the first women apologists that I ever learned of who was doing this important work of making apologetics ideas and the standard arguments more accessible for women so that they could teach these ideas to their children. And, and not just women. I mean, Natasha's project is not uh, specific to male or female, but I think it's probably mostly women who interact with her books and content. And I loved her vision because it was a vision that I long had, but I just didn't have time to write those books. And so the first time I saw Natasha's book, Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, it it really resonated with me of like, yes, there's another woman uh, who has a similar heart that I do that, that sees the potential of what parents could do in discipling their kids but somebody needs to equip the parents. And I, I just so appreciated that. You know, other important voices that are helping to widen the audience for women in apologetics is my friend Elizabeth Urbanovitz over at Foundation Worldview. Uh, her curriculum, another dream that I long had was to write curriculum on logic and how to interpret the Bible and worldview studies. Well, that's exactly what God has called Elizabeth into doing. And she does it so much better than I ever would have. And I love promoting her materials because 
She really understands apologetics and she also really understands how to teach kids. Her material is wonderful and it is opening up new audiences to apologetics, reaching all the way down to children. Another important voice in women's apologetics is my friend, Elisa Childers. Uh, she's got two best-selling books and she is doing very important work related to progressive Christianity. I would like to think that the work that Monique and I are doing through the Center for Biblical Unity is also among the very important work that uh, is helping to widen the audience of apologetics and reaching into new topics and new themes such as race and justice. Women have a huge need for deeper, more substantive answers. Moms need apologetics to aid them in their discipleship of their children. And dads benefit from these resources too, not to leave um, the dads out. But I think that there was a big gaping hole for decades that would connect the traditional defenses for the faith to conversations that would impact women. And I'm so glad to have these very fine apologists among my friends and that they're, we're all kind of partnering and doing different things. And this is helping to widen the audience for apologetics. And, you know, again, most parents don't have time to take classes or read complicated philosophy books and then translate all of that information into a conversation with their seven-year-old who's asking, well, if God made everything, who made God? Or does God love my dark skin? You know, so having women like us, like Natasha and Elisa and Elizabeth and Monique, do some of that heavy lifting by writing conversationally based books and developing podcasts is really helping to fill this need. The second benefit that I'm seeing of the rise of female apologists is the inspiration of, of the next generation. Um, I, I have had a long-standing concern about the lack of qualified women on the apologetic speaking circuit. And again, it is still a male-dominated field, and that is changing, but I've also given a lot of thought to, you know, why there aren't more women who speak at apologetics conferences that that have PhDs. Why aren't there more women in theology and apologetics with PhDs teaching, you know, in academia? And I think there's likely several reasons for this. Some women just don't have an aspiration to teach in academia. They're um, busy raising their kids and being at home. And that's awesome. And I think, you know, that's a high priority. Um, some women start graduate degrees, but they don't finish because their education gets interrupted by child rearing. And again, as a mom of grown kids, I generally counsel young mothers who have an aspiration to go to seminary to focus their attention primarily on their children because that season is short 
And that is our primary responsibility. Uh, I think there's also the factor that as every aspiring professor knows, simply getting a degree is not enough to advance your career in academia. There's a lot of other steps that come after getting a PhD, you know, engaging in scholarly publications and research. These are also necessary steps for being in academia. And, and these steps, you know, let's say you just go straight through from undergrad through graduate school. You're going to be going through these steps in your late 20s, early to mid 30s. These are our prime childbearing years. Um, and so often women are faced with a, a choice of choosing one path or the other, motherhood or academia. And for me, th this is why I don't have a PhD. That was the choice that I faced at the age of 28 when I was getting ready to go do a doctoral program. I knew I had to, I had to choose a direction. I was either going to become a mom and raise my family or I was going to get a PhD, but I was not going to do both. Oh, at least not uh, not well. And I, quite frankly, I don't regret that decision. I, I do not regret um, not getting a PhD and instead choosing the life of being a mom. I think another factor is, you know, it, it's a lot of hard work to develop a national speaking presence on top of family and education commitments and for women who want to pursue greater involvement in theology and apologetics, these are very real obstacles that um, I see many of my fellow female apologists face. And, you know, I, I think that that accounts for why there are not more women in academia. Um, I, I And I, I don't think that the, the lack of women in theology and apologetics at the academic level, I actually don't think that's a that's a, a feminist problem or a male chauvinist problem, and I don't think it can be solved through diversity. I'm of the personal opinion that it's really about just different life choices, and when you're a woman, you you make different choices, and being at home with your kids is is extremely important and part of our calling as as wives and mothers. So let me go back to the issue that um, an issue that I alluded to earlier, and that is the issue of representation. When I said earlier that, you know, I couldn't point to any other women theologians or women apologists to say like, yeah, I want to be like that person. The, the, the one possible exception was I briefly met once a gal named Gretchen Passantino. Uh, for those of you who are my age or older, you may have heard her on the old Bible Answer Man broadcast. She and her husband, Bob, were kind of working class people, but also extremely well-read. And uh, they were Lutherans. And I believe that Gretchen had a bachelor's degree for sure. She may have had a master's degree too. But they, um, it, she, I, I briefly met her at a couple of events when I was newly married, and she was really the closest thing I had ever met to a woman apologist. And she and her husband were were just very humble. I think she was even homeschooling 
like way before it was popular. But, um, you know, I, I look back on her as somebody that was an early inspiration. I didn't know her real well, uh, but she was at least somebody that sort of represented what I was interested in potentially doing. And personally, I have mixed feelings about the issue of representation. You know, one stream of thought says that we must have women on the stage at apologetics conferences or in seminary classrooms in order to encourage other women to go into theology and apologetics. And I, I can see the value of that line of thinking. However, I, I have to say I'm skeptical that it's as important as advocates say. I, I don't know if you know, I just, and maybe I'm speaking from mostly my own experience, but, you know, I, I think that it's possible to make it without those role models. It's hard, but it is possible. And I do appreciate that the leaders of the women in apologetics ministry have pioneered an approach to apologetics that maybe wasn't being met by existing conferences. There weren't many places for women to get platformed. And the Women in Apologetics Conference is not a women's conference per se, but it is a conference where all of the presentations are done by women. And there are not that many opportunities out there for women apologists to get on a stage and have an audience. And so I do appreciate it that that women in apologetics is engaging in a form of promoting, promoting a form of representation of helping younger women apologists have role models that they can look up to. And it's hard for me to even grasp like how much things have changed in 30 years that women like Elisa Childers and Natasha Crane have grown large enough platforms that they're headlining their own multi-city apologetics tour, speaking to thousands of women and men. I mean, I just think, wow, we have come so far. It's really encouraging and wonderful. And I think will inspire the next generation. And so, yes, it is true that on the whole, and, and there are exceptions to this, but on the whole, female apologists remain, I think, overall behind male apologists in terms of education. I classify most female apologists as what I call education apologists. And I do have a blog post about this that I wrote a while back through Reasons to Believe, uh, where I kind of give my thinking about the different kinds of Christian apologists. And education apologists are different than research apologists. And education apologists are the ones who, I think, take research of other people and then can kind of distill it down and summarize it and communicate it to regular people. And I think the, the female apologists do this very well. But I do want to also highlight a couple of notable exceptions. And, and one is Nancy Piercy. 
Now, Mrs. Piercy is arguably the godmother of modern female apologists. But here's an important point, is that I don't think that Mrs. Piercy is important simply because she's a woman. I think that Mrs. Piercy is an influential Christian apologist because she has spent more than 30 years doing groundbreaking research and basically writing a shelf full of influential books. I would also say that my friend Elisa Childers is arguably one of the most important apologists of our decade, male or female. And although she doesn't even have a college degree, you know, in the years that many of us go to college, she was out on the road touring around with Zoe Girl. Elisa is this unique blend of both a research apologist and an education apologist. Now, why do I say this? Because Elisa is writing and commenting on a topic that very few are covering and doing it better than uh, than her competitors, in my opinion. Elisa has a platform at apologetics conferences not simply because she's a woman. Conferences hire her because she's a quality apologist, an exceptional communicator, and a researcher who is working on a very important issue. If female apologists, if you're a young person and you want to grow your own ministry in theology or apologetics and you're thinking you know how do I get increased visibility don't fall into the trap of thinking well the reason I'm not getting visibility is because I'm a woman and that the cure for this problem is we need more diversity programs I don't think that's the case I want to encourage you rather to look to the examples of Nancy Piercy and Elisa Childers. While neither of these sisters have a PhD, their work stands out from the crowd, male or female, because they're doing important work and quality research that other people are not doing. And this, in my opinion, is the path forward for young female apologists. Don't focus so much on your gender. (laughs) That's not the point. Rather, work hard, do unique research, hone your communication skills, and get published. And publishing can be books, it can be blog posts, it can be podcasts, whatever that looks like for you. It, It is really honestly, genuinely my hope that more Christian women will catch a vision or how they can become part of this conversation in theology and apologetics and and how they might focus their energy on what the Lord may have for them. Now, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord what level of involvement you should have in public ministry. Public ministry is not for everyone. It's hard. It's often very lonely. 
also ask the Lord whether it's appropriate to pursue doctoral studies in light of family responsibilities. But my hope is that the Lord will raise up women with a vision to make their own unique contribution to theology and apologetics. And that can look a variety of different ways. It doesn't mean you must have a podcast or you must be a public person. It could be as simple as being a resource person for your homeschool co-op or even just your friend group that people know like, hey, if I have a question about this, I can go to this person. They're going to give me a careful and informed answer. Whatever your apologetics journey, whatever path that takes, be in a conversation with the Lord. Don't get ahead of the Lord about it. And if you have to put it on hold for a while because you're raising your kids and focusing your attention on that, that's totally fine. But my hope is that there will continue to be more voices, more female voices that will become part of this growing tradition of women who value sound doctrine and want to communicate the ideas of the faith, helping others defend the faith and see it as an important tool for educating Christians, strengthening our own faith and advancing the gospel. I really do look forward to what the Lord has in the coming years. And I look forward to it with excitement to see where women's apologetics is going to go. We live in a wonderful time where women are on the rise. We are doing important work. We're finding our own unique way, and that is commendable. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this helpful. Please make sure to share it with a friend or your pastor. And with that, I will say, see you next week and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.